Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Lydia Lacey is a speech-language pathologist in Kennesaw, Georgia. She has been an SLP for 23 years, working mostly in the schools. Lydia got to the point where she was dreading it, literally crying in her car, and decided to start a private practice in order to have more fulfillment. She also shared that she wishes that she had started her private practice much sooner. In this episode, she shares about how she started, she talks about billing Medicaid, and also the importance of having mentors. If you've been thinking about starting a private practice in order to have more fulfillment in your life, and you want to see how Lydia did it, stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Lydia Lacey. I am a speech therapist in Kennesaw, Georgia, and the name of my practice is Catalyst Speech Therapy. I'm so excited to be doing this today with you, Lydia, to you know hear your story and share your story. I have gotten to know you through some of my paid programs, but I really want people to know more about you and your story. So could you please take our listeners back to how you got started as a speech pathologist and when you started thinking about private practice? So I got started way back in the 90s. It seems like that's so long ago now. <laughs> An undergrad, I remember taking a course. And I, I failed one of the tests. And so my um, professor at the time pulled me to the side and she said, you might want to rethink this and try a different profession. And it made me so sad, but it also made me more determined. She tried to talk me out of applying for the grad program, but I was like, nope, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick to it. Joined the grad program, did very well. Like I was talking about before, they always gear you towards working for schools. And I never thought that I wanted to work with small children. I always wanted to work with older adults, maybe in a nursing home or at the VA hospital. And it just turns out that working in the schools was one of my, my first interviews. So I got the job, stuck with it. I had experience with Head Start, elementary, middle school, high school, all the way through, but I wasn't fulfilled. I just didn't feel happy all the time about it. 
you know, you have big groups. Some of the kids, you know, love it. Other kids hate it. It just got to be unfulfilling for me. So my husband and I, we relocated to Georgia in 2011. And I was approached by a woman. Her daughter was in private school and she wanted me to see her. So that was kind of my first private kid. (laughs) And so she was paying me out of pocket. I would go to her house, work with her child. And I was always nervous about it. For whatever reason, I was like, oh my gosh, is is this right? Should I be doing this? That ended, kept working with the schools, but just still feeling overwhelmed with the workload, trying to do bus duty and car duty and all that stuff. Big groups of kids, like I said before, and it was just hard. I felt unfulfilled. I would sit in my car at lunchtime and just cry. And I was thinking, this can't be right. You know, I went to school all these years. I have all the student loan debt. <laughs> I have to work. So I had to find an equal medium for that. I ended up leaving the schools and I started working for a private practice, had to get my own liability insurance. And so I was talking to an occupational therapist who worked there and she was saying, you know, she was a contractor and how she had to get her MPI number and tax ID number. And she was doing all these things. And I was thinking, okay, that sounds great, but is it enough? Is that going to, you know, still pay my bills? I ended up leaving that job and I ended up working as a contractor in the schools because I felt like the private practice in that building, in that setting, the hours were just really long. And I have children of my own. I am married. So I have to, you know, manage my time. I ended up being a contractor for the schools and had to do all the same stuff. I had to get my tax ID number. I had to get the MPI number, the liability insurance. And it just felt like I was already working for myself. And so I decided at that moment, you know, I'm going to work for anybody else. I'm just going to step out and do it. Um, Now, I still do work full-time in the schools during the day, but I also have my private practice in the evening. And I have a full schedule of kids and I kind of, I just love it. I love that story of like, you know, just kind of figuring out where you want to be based on fulfillment, right? Like I think that Mm -hmm. so many SLPs and OTs get into this profession because we just want to help people, right? We are helping people. That's what we want to do. And when we're not able to do that, it's really hard for us, right? Like it really takes a toll on us, you know, emotionally and everything else. You know, that's really what leads to burnout, in my opinion, is when people like try and try and try mm-hmm. some more, right? They take all the CU courses, you know, they read the yeah. book, they think it's them, right? They think that there's yes. a problem with them, right? But really what the problem usually is, is with the system that they are trying to work in, right? Whether it's a school or a hospital or um, early intervention, or even someone else's private practice, systems are usually not set up for the clinician to be successful. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. sometimes the client to be successful, right? And so coming up with your like exit plan, I think was probably a really good idea so that you for self preservation, right? So that you can continue to feel fulfilled in this profession. I have a question we talked earlier, and you mentioned that you at least one person in your life that you knew of had a private practice, right? But you like you didn't learn anything about private practice. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about that experience? Yes, I had a wonderful mentor in um, college. Her name is Zanara Covington. She had her private practice. But back then, I always felt like she was just like a separate unicorn. Like that was just something she did. None of us in in grad school were taught about private practice. It was either you worked in the schools, you worked in the, you know, at the VA, at the hospitals, at the nursing homes. You never, no one ever talked to us or had a class about 
private practice or running your own business. So I kind of wish that I would have tapped into that resource more and kind of just asked her more questions about being in private practice back then, because I would have loved to do it sooner. I feel like I would have been further ahead now. But everything happens for a reason. So that's true. But I think it really leads <laughs> to just exposure, right? Like if you're not exposed to things, then you don't mm-hmm. think that they're a possibility. And sometimes even if you are exposed to something like like this mentor of yours, you may think, well, she's special or she's that, right? But really, like you're special too, right? Like listeners, you can all do this too. Every episode of this podcast that you've listened to, and you might be thinking like, oh, well, she can do it, right? You know, but me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's not the point of the show. The point of the show is to show people what's (laughs) possible. So take it in and listen, y'all. Yes, do. Please do. I'm glad that I did it. I I still keep in contact with her. So whenever I get really stuck, I can call her and reach out and ask questions. After I joined your group, I, I researched, how can I be my own independent clinician? Found you, joined the Facebook group. And then I kind of reached out to local speech therapists who were doing it because that that was, for me, that was helpful. I wanted to ask people questions who were right here in Georgia with me that I can say, hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? I would pay for lunch. We can go out to lunch. I just want to pick your brain so that I can get all of this information. And that for me was very helpful. I always think that iron shoppers iron. So use your resources, ask questions, don't be afraid, just step out. I love it. Okay. So you had the job where you were a contractor, right? And then you're like, I'm going to do this myself, right? So now you have, you know, your full time in the schools and you've got your private practice. Tell everyone, like, how did that process go for you in terms of kind of figuring out how to start to grow your practice? It was extremely difficult, (laughs) not difficult, but just stressful trying to figure it out all on my own. Because as speech therapists, we always want to be perfect. We want things to be right or done right and decency and order. So I, like I said, I reached out to you, got some of your resources, reached out to other people who worked here. When I got a bank account separate from my own bank account, I just tried to do everything that I was supposed to do. Reached out to Medicaid, trying to get credentialed. And then it just became very overwhelming for me. And so I had to find someone to help me with billing and those types of things. So again, I just asked questions. I tapped into everybody I thought could help me to take some of the load off, some of the pressure off. I reached out to an accountant to help me figure out how do I pay taxes? How much taxes do I pay? I got a, a biller to help me figure that out. She also helped me get credentialing with other insurance companies. And from there, that's how my business kind of grew. Insurance companies kind of reached out to me and said, hey, are you taking on new clients? Or people would call, look at my website and call and say, hey, you know, can you work with my kid? And that's how I began taking on more, more clients. And for me, that was very, very beneficial. And it really, it it really does help someone grow a practice, right? Like it's, it's a lot easier in a lot of ways to grow when you're listed on the insurance websites, right? Because that's where Mm -hmm. parents oftentimes look first, right? There's, if you know that you want to go through insurance, a lot of times the first stop is not necessarily Google for a lot of people. It's like, let me go Mm -hmm. see what, you know, Blue Cross or, you know, Aetna or whoever, right? like who the providers are. And so getting listed on those websites as being a provider is a great way to get clients, right? Yes. 
Um, at first, that was a little intimidating for me, too, because people were calling say, would you accept my insurance? Well, how much is my copay? And I was like, oh, yikes, I don't know. <laughs> like, you're asking too many questions. I don't know. <laughs> so just getting comfortable with taking insurance. For me, that worked the best. I know a lot of people like to you know, do private pay and not use insurances. But for me, it helped to grow my business. Yeah. Before we started recording, you mentioned um, Medicaid and accepting Medicaid. Can you please share with our listeners how that experience has gone for you? So I have the majority of my clients have Medicaid right now. For me, like I said before, I wasn't really fulfilled in my position just as a full-time speech therapist in the schools. I would go out to my car and cry. The groups were too big. Just the demand was heavy. So I never felt fulfilled. And then when I started taking on private clients and, and the clients with Medicaid, it was like the parents were more grateful. They were very, you know, happy that I was coming into their homes, working with their kids. The kids were making progress. And for me, that just felt great. So it wasn't necessarily about the money because, you know, Medicaid doesn't pay that much, but it was it was more beneficial for me to help. I felt fulfilled. It felt just really good. And for me, that's what was important in growing my business and just feeling better overall, mentally, spiritually, physically. It just, for me, it was very helpful. Yeah. And I think that's all what we need to do is always, you know, be introspective and say like, listen, what makes me feel good, right? Like how do I Mm want to run my business, right? And we can each make those decisions, right? When you're a business owner, you get to decide you know, what whatever payer you sources, want. Yeah, whatever you want, right? What payer sources you accept or, you know, what you wear, right? Even like, mm-hmm. you know, some people want to be able to to wear jeans or scrubs or other people want to look nice. Like you can do whatever you want to, right? And so I think that that making that decision about what payer sources to accept is a very personal decision and there's no right or wrong, right? It just has to do with what do you feel good doing for your business? And also, you know, what's going to work best for your community? I also enjoy being a business owner because you get to work with the clients that you feel more comfortable working with, you know, be it articulation or language or, you know, swallowing. You get to choose what you're more comfortable with, who you feel like you can make the most impact with. And for me, that was great too. I work with kids with um, articulation and language right now. Before, like I said, I did not want to work with children, but now I find myself taking on like (laughs) three-year-olds. And I never thought that I would, you know, enjoy working with kids that young, but I I thoroughly enjoy it now. Yeah. Well, and you can make those decisions, right? And it can ebb and flow, right? At some point you could decide like, I don't know, I'm, I'm too tired to do little kids or I don't know, whatever you want to do and go do something else, right? But that's kind of also the beauty of, picking and choosing the clients that you serve, right? And so I think that's really important for all of us to think about is that when you get to be in charge of things like your hours and your, you know, I mentioned Mm -hmm. wardrobe earlier, but also what clients you serve so that you're more likely to be fulfilled. What a Mm -hmm. gift is that? Wonderful. It's a wonderful gift. (laughs) Wonderful gift. So what would you say has been part of like your decision to, again, to start to grow your practice? Like, where do you think that you're heading in the next six months to a year? So I'm still learning. You know, I've been doing this since 2018, my own private practice since 2018. And like I said, when I first started, it was difficult trying to figure out everything on my own. And it's still a learning process for me. I'm still, you know, learning how to be more organized with, you know, my paperwork, with sending notes to doctors or requesting things from insurances. So I kind of just want to get more organized, more focused and growing in that way. 
I think that's fantastic. And I think that's really what separates people who are just getting started from those who are like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be serious about this now. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you're first starting your practice, you can be a little bit like, I don't know, scat- not, I don't know if scattered is the right word, but just, you know, a little <laughs> bit less serious about it or something. Right. But all of a sudden when you're like, you know what, like, I want this to be like really legit. Like when someone calls, when there's a new referral, I want to have a system where I know that like, this is yes. the information I need to collect from them. This is how I do scheduling. This is how I verify their insurance benefits, or this is how I send them mm-hmm. an invoice, right? Like that's to me, like the next level of private practice after you get underway. That was very important for me. And I'm I'm in a much better place now with doing those things. But like I said, in the next six to 12 months, I want to get better. I just want to grow in those areas and feel more confident in those areas. Because for me, my next step is to do this full time. I want to, you know, walk away from the schools and just kind of get my own brick and mortar, hire other speech therapists. And I want to be someone else's mentor. Like I want to feed into others to grow the profession and just for my own just happiness and fulfillment. I love that you're thinking ahead on that. And specifically that you want to be able to mentor other people, right? Like that's clearly one of my driving forces too, right? Is to you know, anything that I didn't learn along the way, I want to make things easier, faster, better for other people, right? And so I think that, you know, before we started recording, you said that a lot of times private practice is very hush-hush, right? And like the people aren't talking about it, right? So like, let's talk about it, right? Yeah, no one wants to give you information. And for me, that's insane. That's crazy. You, You want people to just start from scratch on their own. I mean, you want people to start from scratch. I think that's make that make that builds character. However, if you have some information to give and you can pass on to help someone, give it. What are you holding on to it for? That's just me. I love helping people. If anyone calls me and say, hey, Lydia, I saw that you did blah, blah, blah. Can you tell me how you did it? I'm like, sure. Yes. I email, I call. Like I said, we can go to lunch. I give all the information that I can because, you know, like I said, I had someone, a mentor for me who was great. She was awesome. And I just wish more people would share that information and not be so tight-lipped with it. We all can, you know, win. We all can do this together. And just think of how much greater it would be if, you know, all the speech therapists joined together and helped each other. <laughs> I just think, I just think the world would be great. Totally, right? I think our profession has a lot to learn about private practice, right? This is another mm-hmm. thing I say all the time. But, you know, if we think about other professions like psychology or social work, a huge percentage of them are in private practice, right? It's a, it's a path for them. Like, I don't know, listeners, I don't know about you, but if I meet someone at, I don't know, a party or at a thing and they say, oh, I'm a psychologist. My first assumption is that they have a private practice, right? And there's lots of places that psychologists can work, but I did, I did look it up and don't quote me on this, but I think that it's about 60% of psychologists work in private practice. So it is the majority. And I would really like it to be the majority for us too, right? Like other professions are doing it. We need to do it too. Yes. I think that more speech therapists would be much happier. Also, when you said that, that psychologists have their own private practices, I just watched a movie and you always see movies and TV shows and other things advertised about psychologists always owning their own practices. It's always successful. It's always thriving and doing very well. Speech therapists aren't always shown like that, but it would be great if we could have private practices like that. If you met me at a party and I said, I'm a speech therapist, you just automatically assumed that I have my own private practice. How great would that be? Yeah. Well, 
if we keep doing what we're doing, Lydia, right? If I keep talking <laughs> to people and you keep talking about it, right? Like, I think that we could have a future that way. But to connect two dots that we've said here, like first, it was, you know, your early mentor, right? That you saw someone doing this. And if you hadn't have seen her doing it, right, you may not have really thought much of anything about private practice. But the dot that I want to connect for people is what you said about like, when you watch TV and movies, it's always a psychologist in private practice, Mm -hmm. right? So also think of how that's role modeled for that profession, where for us, like, first of all, we're almost never on TV or movies. If it is wildly inaccurate, most of the time. (laughs) and never in private practice, right? And so I think that that's another benefit in the psychology world in the mental health provider space is that they have those role models. We don't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's up to people like Lydia, like me, like, you know, other people in this space to show people what's possible. I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. I'm also... (laughs) I'm here for you and watching you grow. It's been so fantastic to get to know you and get to watch you. And I can't wait until maybe we do, you know, another interview in a year from now and you, you've left your school job and you, you know, in your private practice full time. And that will be so wonderful to see. Oh, um, you got me more excited about it. Just speaking it out. <laughs> I love it. Well, if you can dream it, you can do it. So make that plan. Um, you know, at the time of this recording, it's early August, 2022. And so maybe, you know, by next year, the next school year, maybe you won't be going back that following school year. Yes. Yes. That's in the plan. That's in the plan. I don't know if it'll be next year, but you know, Hey, you never know what happens. You never know. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Don't you just love Lydia? I love her persistence and how she finally started her private practice. She is the perfect example of someone who wanted to do it, did it, and is now encouraging others to go for it too. If you would like to learn more about our programs and how we support SLPs and OTs who want our help to start and grow their private practices, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening, and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. See you then. While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.